Welcome to the Silicon UK In Focus podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hull. In today's podcast, we're focusing on a new report from the Open University and Be The Business, which surveyed 1,500 business leaders of SMEs across the UK. Uh, looking at their experience of business within the tech adoption, followed by the dramatic changes that are accelerated by the pandemic. At Silicon UK, we, we really wanted to dig a bit, a bit deeper into that report. So we really wanted to uh, have a, a close look at main points, but also maybe a, a more of a discussion about what the report kind of teaches us. Be The Business is a uh, not-for-profit uh, movement that helps companies improve their performance, and the Open University is a leading provider of distance uh, learning. What I'd like to start off with is uh, basically welcoming our speakers. The first is uh, uh, Jane Dixon, who is the uh, Digital Skills Lead at the Alpha University, and uh, Anthony Imprey, as CEO of Be The Business. Welcome, Jane. What I'd like to do is first is really sort of get a, a little bit of background about, about yourself, uh, maybe what you were doing before the Alpha University, uh, and maybe uh, what your, uh, your main sort of tasks at the university are, are at the moment. Hi, Dave. Great to be here today. So I guess I've been working really in the IT training business now for, dare I admit it, about 25 years in different yeah. ways. So Experience, that's, that's the phrase. Yeah, so it kind of started around the time that Windows 95 had just taken off and I was working for a really small business who already had um, a book business online that, that was really, really thriving during those years. And of course, as people moved on to Windows 95, but, you know, the telephones as it was back in the day just Loaded with demand, with people wanting to understand how to use this new operating system. And things really went from there. So I worked distribution, working very closely with, with Microsoft and, and their channel for a while. And then I, I went to work for CompTIA, which is the Global IT Industry Association in a, in a skills-related role. And then I've been at the Open University for nearly three years now, working as that digital skills specialist and really helping employers you know create programs that help them develop the digital skills within their organizations so that they're able to power their plans and their businesses forward. Turning to you Anthony uh, you're a CEO of uh, Be The Business what were you doing before that and what's your sort of remit at the moment? Thanks David and thanks for asking me to uh, join the show. My background is largely in tech. I've always been a, an entrepreneur. I've started and scaled businesses throughout my career. I think my first business was selling a stationery out of my school locker. Rapidly uh, moved into technology after that because I realised uh, technology was far more exciting than uh, selling stationery. And uh, built sort of a, a number of different businesses in the tech sector. Spent some time uh, working on the West Coast. But actually the majority of my career has been spent in London and being part of London's uh, tech scene, building a, a number of businesses there. Oh, well, thanks for that, uh, Anthony. I think it's a good uh, contrast between the, the two of you. I guess as a, a sort of kickoff question, could you give us some, some background on the actual report? and what, what kind of prompted you to do the research? You know, what we've seen as a result of the pandemic is huge acceleration in the adoption of um, technology. Lots of different um, examples of businesses who have you know, maybe not done so much in terms of, you know, adopting digital platforms, you know, suddenly, you know, accelerating their use of technology uh, during the last sort of 15 months now since we've, um, since we've kind of entered these crazy, crazy times. And actually, in the course of businesses adopting technology, what we have seen at Be The Business is that 
although there's been this rapid acceleration, there's still a huge dropout in the number of successful technology implementations by smaller businesses. But by our estimates, it's over half of all small businesses that buy technology find that the, the technology doesn't deliver to, to the requirements of their organization. So we really wanted to sort of dig into why this was. And so we teamed up with uh, Jane and the brilliant team at uh, the Open University to really dig into you know, why this was. Why were so many small businesses falling down in terms of you know, when they were buying technology and, and not being successful in implementing it? And looking at sort of the kind of barriers and the kind of skills that maybe were listed that were missing in those businesses that if they were there would have meant that their, their use and adoption of technology had been that much more successful. And so, so using that was the, was the thing that kind of got us to, to work together and sort of find out how to, you know, what the obstacles were. Well, from your point of view, Jane, so initial, I guess, findings, were they sort of a surprise to you or did they kind of reinforce how you saw tech and the, the sort of digital skills landscape at that time? Was it a revelation or was it really just didn't tell you anything new that you didn't already know? I think certainly there were some new and interesting findings from this Skills for Success report that we've recently launched. But I think that certainly, you know, some of the findings chimed with some of the research we've done over the last couple of years. So in 2019, bridging the digital divide and then um, just before the pandemic hit, we launched Leading in a Digital Age. So, you know, I think one of the key findings around the fact that only a quarter uh, of businesses we, we surveyed believe that they've got the technical skills and only a third have got the leadership and management skills they need to successfully adopt technology probably did chime with some of those aspects that we had understood before. So what we can take away from that is that we know that there was a digital skills gap, of course, you know, that's been very widely reported and that existed before the pandemic. But I think what's interesting is that, you know, given the pace of change and the adoption of tech and and the digital transformation we've seen as a result of the pandemic being that catalyst for it, that digital skills gap, if anything, I think, you know, has grown. And, you know, whilst 70% 70% of the businesses that, that we spoke to recognised a need to invest, you know, only half have got a plan to address that in the next 12 months. So, you know, there's clearly blockers there, um, time and cost likely being two of them. But I mean, it is also important to recognise just how huge the challenge is, because we do need to upskill and reskill even more people if we're going to grow and diversify the talent pool and, re- and really be able to create and support the number of people to move into, into the jobs that exist. It occurred to me when I had a look at the, the actual detail that it sort of seemed almost like the information or the the actual gap or the issues with technology was kind of hidden. We kind of assumed that all businesses were technical businesses. We assumed that the skill sets were either not there or they were actively being developed. But it, it did seem to me that the report kind of lifted the lid on that. It kind of revealed that there is more work to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. There is more work to be done. And I think Anthony would probably speak to the fact that, you know, there's more work to be done to support businesses to recognise 
how technology can apply and be applied to best effect within their individual businesses, but also work to be done to really help people develop um, the digital skills and the leadership and management skills that, you know, play such an important role in increasing the likelihood of successful technology adoption. I mean, from your point of view, Anthony, when you when you're sort of speaking to small business leaders, do you hear the same kind of issues time and again? They kind of appreciate technology, but don't know how to start, or there's just so much of it. Where do we begin? What do we choose to get our businesses where we want them to be? You know, when, when you're looking at this from a tech sector perspective, you kind of assume that everybody recognises, you know, huge benefits that technology can bring a business. What's interesting, and certainly sort of one of the headlines in our report, is that a fifth of all small business leaders say they don't think technology can have a positive impact. Yeah, which I, I found that amazing. I, I, I found that just, I, I just could, uh, that, that was probably the standout, I think. But do you think that's because it's, is it a misunderstanding of what technology can do for them? Or is it technology not for me? You know, if I, I say I, I'm a greengrocer, what do I need technology for? But is that just a misunderstanding of what technology is and what it can deliver to any business? It's partly to do with misunderstanding. I mean, it's also partly to do with the fact that, you know, when you're running a small business, you're working you know, seven days a week. You're, you know, you're working, you know, putting in 12, 14 hours a day, just doing the day job. So there's very little time, very little headspace to do that extra thinking you need in order to do this extra stuff which might be, you know, putting a business online, might be digitizing some of the back office services that you've got in, in, in the businesses, in, in the business. You know, so, so, you know, that, that lack of headspace often means that business leaders don't really know the place and the role that technology can have on their business. You know, the impact of the pandemic of forcing so many businesses to move selling to consumers online and having that interaction with their customers online has, has accelerated a lot of that change. But certainly there's still a large number of businesses where, where, you know, very often they just don't have the capacity to think about how technology can work in, in their organisations. I think there's a real role for the tech industry to recognise that and to do more to help businesses on that journey to adopt technology. And the example that you give around a, a green grocer is a perfect example of a a business and it could be a greengrocer, it could be a butcher, it could be a baker, where they've not really had to use technology before in the past. But actually this, this acceleration that we've seen with the use of technology in the last 15 months is, is meaning that more and more risk being left behind and never being able to catch up if they don't start adopting technology now. Well, absolutely. Is it an awareness issue or is it education that a lot of business leaders simply have not come into contact with with enough tech. They fear it. There's an anxiety there because they, they don't understand, I guess, how it, how it can benefit them. Um, there, there's a, there seems to be a barrier there that, oh, it's a computer, it's very frightening, uh, I don't want to get involved with that. So is, is that an awareness and an education issue? I think it's probably, um, you know, a combination of issues. So, you know, I think that um you know if if time is 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 a barrier and you know as as Anthony has just said quite often when you're running a business it absolutely is if you're a small business owner then you know if something isn't immediately apparent and you know 
you know, why would you go looking for it? You don't have the time to think, well, actually, you know, could I reach more customers if, um, you know, I put that website live? Could I free up more time in my day if I thought about digitizing some of that, those back office processes? Could I open up online ordering? Whatever it is. So I think that kind of the time and the cost pressures sometimes um, mean that you don't necessarily have the time to go looking to, you know, make yourself aware of, well, what are, what is the art of the possible? How could technology impact on the challenges that I have in my business? How could it open up new opportunities for me? And I suspect that it's a combination of those things. So probably it is about reaching businesses with the right advice and, you know, something that's very accessible is easily digestible and perhaps just starts to open up the conversation about how technology can actually help them with some of those opportunities and challenges. Very often it's not about technology at all. We've worked with a brilliant business in the southwest called In Cornwall. The business owner there is called Mark Holden. And he was kind of gearing up to implement a tech strategy in his business. And he very quickly came to realise that Actually, the, the challenges with making changes within his organization weren't to do with implementing new technology, but it was actually getting the people strategy right first enabled him to make you know, huge changes in the technology he was, he was using. So, so very often, you know, there are other, other things to consider that you need to get right before you can, before you can implement the, um, the technology that, that um, you think will have an impact on, on your organization. Well, let's let's actually touch on that because there's there's that age old thing that tech is for the young, isn't it? That uh, if you're over thirty, then uh, you basically haven't got a clue. Now, clearly, that's simply that's just too simplistic a uh, a description of of already who uses tech and who understands technology. Clearly, um, but from your research, is it a case that when you are educating your your workforce, um, one size does not fit all? That you have to be more um, nuanced than that and you really have to look at the skills that you need uh, you know from a technical perspective who the people are you need to get reskilled if that's the case and then ultimately how are you going to actually deliver that education that seems to me to be really what tech is really about and when we when we're talking about tech skills those those three things kind of need to be integrated together don't they absolutely i think when you're thinking about you know, implementing technology, we always talk about people, process and technology, don't we? And and actually people, as Anthony quite rightly suggests, is the most important aspect of that. And I think it starts with listening. It has to start with understanding because people have, you know, a wide ranging set of experiences and attitudes towards tech. And you have to understand all of that to be able to craft and tailor some plans and a strategy really to be able to kind of bring everybody on that journey with you. Certainly, you know, our research has shown that there is a generational divide. So therefore, really important for, you know, that that there is a tailored approach, both in terms of business support and in digital skills, according to age. Yes, you know, younger people tend to be digital natives. Sometimes it's just more about the confidence to be able to pick up new skills that's there 
but of course everybody is different and certainly actually in the research that we've we've just done business leaders that were 35 years and, and over were the ones that reported more of them reported a good awareness of technology than others but when it came to those that said yes I know a lot about technology most of those were most likely to be in the 18 to 34 age group bracket so important not to generalize really important to listen and to really understand your audience well from your point of view Anthony when you speak to small business leaders is that the kind of conversation that, that you're having? That we understand we, we have to change. We know that we have to evolve our businesses forward. But how do we do that on a practical level? I think a lot of leaders, when they have a conversation about tech, it's something in a box you buy and you install, or it's some kind of hardware and you plug it in. And that's not really what this conversation's about. That's the easy stuff. The hard stuff, it's the people. It's how you utilize these tools, isn't it? If that's still a level of anxiety then, there's still a, an issue with how do we physically implement this stuff that we bought, that we think that it's going to be useful for us? And how do we actually do that? How do we create a roadmap that gets us where we want to go? What we're really talking about is behaviour change. How do you get somebody to change some, maybe some deep-seated habits that they've always done their accounts in a particular way or they've always interacted with their customers in a particular way? And how do you help sort of change some of those habits? And anybody who has had to done more exercise or chosen to lose weight or stop smoking or, or any sort of deep-rooted behaviour knows, anybody who's done any of those things knows that changing behaviours is really, really good. That's the hard stuff, yeah. And it's exactly. It's the hard stuff. And, and it's no different in terms of, you know, the challenges that we're looking at here. The first thing to enable small businesses to take a step back from their businesses and doing the day-to-day stuff that they do in their businesses and just think about how technology can improve some of the things that they do in their business. And, and some of those things might be sort of the back office functions of their organization. Some of those things might be customer facing, but it's that opportunity to think strategically about how technology can work. And importantly, how technology can make it easier for your customers to do business with you. Because I mean, that's the amazing thing about technology. That's the, that's the superpower that, um, that technology brings any business. It's, it's being able to reduce the friction it takes, the friction involved in a customer doing business with you. And I think if, if business leaders approach technology with that mindset, it's then much easier to then do those practical things that are required to implement technology. But it always, always starts with an understanding of what the strategy is, you know, the rationale that kind of sits behind that behavior change that, that needs to be uh, needs to be driven. And then in, in terms of those kind of those practical things that need to be done, then it becomes much, much easier to, to find the resources that you need and to, to start making the right decisions that get to the technology that works best for your business and uh, your particular set of circumstances for your organization. Keep up to date with the latest tech news and read in-depth features by subscribing to the Silicon UK newsletter. There seems to be a misunderstanding that you know tech sweeps away everything that came before it, and we have to oh, we have to you know we have to deal with all the legacy stuff and we literally put you know ripping stuff out of our factories or our businesses. And that's not the case. It, it can be small incremental steps, can't it? 
those marginal gains are so important and can make such a done consistently over a period of time can have such a dramatic impact on how a business operates. And I, and I think that fear that you know you have to reinvent everything in order to implement technology is misplaced. I mean, I think the other thing to consider is that that process of making a business digital is cheaper now than it's ever been before. Ten years ago, it would cost about three million pounds to make your business digital throughout. Now, it costs about three thousand pounds. The great thing about technology is, is the fact that it is a great democratizer of businesses. So, whether you are a multi-billion-pound business across the globe or you're a small corner shop in North London. You compete on equal terms because of what technology enables. Well, also, from your point of view, Jane, do you also find that, I guess, the the the, the kind of skill that is, is sort of, you know, if there's a top three technical skill, which is maybe missing, or the, the people that you talk to, they, they come back and it was the same kind of thing over and over again. Did the report reveal any kind of you know key skills which are clearly missing that, and that business leaders understand that and they want to gain that education? Yeah, I think two of those that kind of rose to the top, which I think I hear generally, were probably around data. You know, and I think that's probably true of all businesses of all sizes now that we have so much data available to us. The challenges. To think about, well, how can we use that to drive competitive advantage? How can we use that to serve our our customers better, etc.? And certainly cyber as well. So, you know, as we rely on technology more and incorporate it into the way that we do business, cyber is increasingly front and centre. And of course, I think it's sometimes quite helpful to not think of cyber as, you know, as a distinct topic off to the side it's actually all pervasive across across everything and across every technical job role um you know whether you're creating code you know you need to be to do that securely if you're running the network you need to do that securely and i think also actually you know end user cyber skills can't be um neglected we know that you know over half of breaches are down to the way that we behave you know as humans so, you know, and particularly when you think about the pandemic, where some businesses and some sectors overnight, you know, were working from home, we had this huge population of people in an unfamiliar environment, you know, the attack surface increases exponentially. So that's something that's, that's very much had to be considered. But I think over and above those two, the areas where I see job demand increasing are things like software development cloud. I think the other topics that seem really high on IT department lists are, you know, that curiosity around emerging technologies and AI. And of course, you know, everybody's wrestling with, well, what does this mean and how do I apply them? Um, And then I think the other thing that I see and I encounter, and again, you know, talking about businesses of all sizes, is this demand for multi-skilled staff. So um, what I mean by that is that as we see technologies converge, you know, we see teams coming together. So DevOps, of course, great example. We've got cloud operations and infrastructure people working alongside software developers really, really closely to create value 
the businesses and customers sooner. You know, traditionally, people have had either one set of those skills or the other ones. So, you know, we're seeing quite a lot of, of demand for that. But of course, this will change over time. And I, and I think the message there very much is when you're investing in people, invest in a nice, broad, foundational skill set and, you know, give, empower people to be able to, um, you know, develop the skills as, as things change. Also, I think I don't know if that's the, the the something that came through when you were speaking to to people, Anthony. But it also seems to me that there's there's also a, a fear of getting it wrong, of literally choosing you know the wrong technology, if you like, or choosing the wrong people who don't have the skills that I need. Yeah, you know, is that is that a real risk, or was that something that sort of came out in in the research that there is there is a real fear of getting it wrong? Interestingly, two thirds of the business leaders we spoke to said that they were, they were either very or somewhat confident about uh, implementing technology. But then only half of them said that they thought they made good tech purchasing decisions. Those two stats kind of are, are somewhat contradict one another and, and maybe points to you know, a level of, of overconfidence around, around what's involved. Now, actually, that's not a bad starting place because actually, if you're, if you're going to make if you implement technology, it's going to result in a, a strategic change to your organisation. You've got to have the confidence there in order to drive through. I think it points to a great opportunity for the technology sector to recognise that actually smaller business owners are, are not making as good technology purchases as they could do and improve that success rate. So I think we've got the confidence there that we need. We just need to do a bit more to, to help small business leaders make better purchasing decisions. I think if we get that balance right, then actually that's a great starting point to address some of the challenges that we can. Well, let's, well, yeah, I'll be absolutely right. Uh, well, let's, let's kind of touch on that. We've talked about sort of uh, yeah uh, how technology could uh, could you know, transform businesses if it's uh, if it's implemented you know, correctly, and of course you need the uh, the skills and the people to to do that. I guess the other part and the, the an essential part of the equation is how you do that. How do you deliver that? I guess what I'm talking about there is uh, this multitude of platforms and ways that you can deliver uh, technical education. Maybe you could speak a little bit about that. Did you find that that's changed, particularly during the pandemic, how we actually teach people new new technical skills? And, and do you feel that's going to just completely evolve over over the next few years? You know, we're, we're going to have a very different technical education landscape than we have today. That is interesting. And I think it, it's probably broader than just, you know, technical education. I, I think you know, the Open University as, as an organisation that, you know, has specialised in really great quality distance learning for over 50 years, probably, you know, less of a change to the way that we do things than for many organisations who perhaps had more face-to-face delivery models and, you know, had to, had to move online overnight. It is different because I think it perhaps changes people's perceptions around learning and how they like to learn. I think everybody's different. Everybody has different preferences. We all learn in in different ways. And I think what's really important about the landscape going forwards is it really has that breadth of options that not only takes into account learning style, but, you know, it takes into account 
what the size of the skills gap might be. So, for example, we're all very used, aren't we, to perhaps now consuming just-in-time learning. So those kind of consumable bite-sized chunks, a lot of people like to, you know, consume learning in that way. But we'll still have a need for those larger programs too. So I think we need everything from, you know, the bite-sized chunks to the short courses to things like apprenticeships, which really enable people to put into practice alongside the new learning that they're developing, which is which is a way a lot of us learn. Um, so I think maybe we, w- we will see that evolution and we will see that change. It's, it's really important that that is demand-led. But I think, you know, we'll also be led by, you know, the technology and the science around that as well. Do you also think that, uh, and in fact, it, it may already be happening. Uh, I think we've we've uh, we've kind of touched on it a little bit that technical skills alone um, aren't enough. Um, I don't like to use that phrase "soft skills" because it, it sort of implies that it's a lesser skill than a technical skill. So it's called human skills. Um, I mean, from uh, from uh, your point of view, have courses themselves also evolved that a technical course now will have a customer focused element as well where before it was simply a a programming course or a devops course or it was this is how to program in javascript but now it's how to program in javascript but actually how do you communicate that with the rest of your team how do you communicate that to say the marketing guys for instance who you may have never had contact with before but today you will certainly have contact with these people so courses have evolved over time as well they have. And I think, you know, I remember it's probably maybe kind of 15 years ago now seeing a headline in the then IT training magazine to say, you know, how consumption of, and I, I don't like that soft skills phrase either, but I think we, yeah, we, we yeah. struggle to find something that... We kind uh, of stuck with that, it, yeah. No, yeah. yeah, I think the Scots, the Scots call it meta skills. Meta skills, that's, that's yeah, good. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> let's do that. You know, those skills for technical people were actually the ones that employers were investing in most and I think there is absolutely recognition that mix of skills are needed so it's that combination of leadership and management digital and soft skills throughout an organization appropriate to job role that's really really important and of course you know if we think about the future world of work and what future jobs might look like as perhaps you know, the technology takes away the more mundane tasks, it's going to be those aspects, you know, that make us human. So things like the problem solving skills, the emotional intelligence, the communication, combined with some technical digital skills that enable us to be able to work with and alongside the tech, that are going to be um, increasingly more important. So yeah, absolutely agree with you about the importance of that. I've spoken to businesses, and that's kind of what they're doing already. They're sort of saying to, say, the marketing people, for instance, to say, okay, um, you you need something built. Uh, now, before, you'd go to IT, you'd spec it, it would take months, et cetera. But guess what? You, there's now um, you know, uh, codeless uh, frameworks which you can use. Uh, there's online um, app building um, applications which you can use. So if you need something that maybe bolts onto Salesforce or something, go and build it. And if you need the skills to do that, we'll give you the skills which is almost antithesis to what it used to be like. But that's that's kind of where we are. We're in this melting pot of technical and meta skills, human skills, whatever you want to call them. But that's great moving forward because then everyone has a kind of finger in everyone else's pie and everyone else kind of understands what you're about. But empowering someone who maybe doesn't have 
an inherent or a need for a technical skill to actually go and do that, you know, go and build something if you need to. That's, that's a, that's amazing transformation of how businesses approach skills and technology, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I think, you know, that's probably why we kind of need to move to, you know, as a nation and a society to get to a place where, you know, everyone feels confident at a basic level, you know, services online and, the skills they need to be productive in work so that no one gets left behind but also really important that people have that opportunity and access to be able to develop new digital skills at any time you know to support those kind of things you've just been talking about to support their career progression you know no matter what what their background or circumstance and you know obviously we've got some way to go to get to that point but I think that's the direction I hope, you know, that, that, that we're moving in. I think the other, the other important thing to sort of add to that is that, you know, while, while we are you know, still in very, very uncertain times, the one thing that we can be sure of is that things are just going to become more digital and, and things are going to keep changing and probably keep changing at an uncomfortably fast pace. And so the importance of developing skills on an ongoing basis, it's going to become more and more important. This process, this, this you know, understanding of lifelong learning is not going to be optional for very much longer because actually the environment we're going to be in is going to be changing pretty quickly. And we're going to end this decade with a you know, very different looking economy and set of industries and businesses. And, and that offers huge opportunity, but, but it does need sort of the skills behind it in order to drive it. So I think lifelong learning is going to become really, really important in order to equip people with this sort of ongoing cycle of learning that they're going to absolutely need to be able to respond to this future that we're facing over the next decade. And do you think that uh, ultimately, I guess, ongoing learning and the the long-term benefit um, of that, that's kind of coming into focus, I think, pretty rapidly that you don't go on a course and that's it. That's all you need. Clearly roles within businesses we're gonna, are going to change. They're going to, again, the, 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 the demarcation lines between sort of technical and, uh, and, more, and, and maybe the human uh, skills or the uh, you know, meta skills, whatever you want to call them, is clearly blurring. And what that clearly means for skills and how you, how you teach that is that they're going to evolve over time. So a, a course I take today, I may take exactly the same course in two or three years' time, but its components could be completely different. Because it's re- it's it's reacted to what's happened in the marketplace, how my business has moved on, how my business has changed over time. Because it seems to me that businesses are also massively evolving their um, their their products and their services at a ridiculous pace these days. You know, the, the whole idea of an agile business, it seems to me, also needs an agile way of educating your workforce and an agile skill set. That's that has to be the future. Yeah, you need, a, you, know, you need an agile, flexible, adaptable, entrepreneurial workforce. Whether you're a whether you're a tech startup uh, or you're a major major enterprise with thousands of people, you know that skill set is going to be very important because we're going to have to kind of continually adapt organisations to respond to you know, this fast changing environment that we're in. 
I think we've touched on it. That's it's it's kind of how how technology is presented, isn't it? It's a, it seems also to be an issue. I think we've touched on it earlier that some small business leaders they say, yeah, we want to use tech, but we don't really understand it. It's probably been because it, it hasn't been presented in the in the correct uh, scenario and you know in the correct framework for them. Yeah, you know, most things in life people pay attention if you can relate it to them, can't you? Uh, you know, don't tell me the features. Tell me the benefits. That's always the phrase, isn't it, with, uh, with with products and services? And I think that's absolutely true with with small businesses and what they want to do with with tech and how skills factor into that. You know, tell me what what's it going to give me? Why should I pay attention to that? If we frame that argument uh, in enough clarity, then I think that number um, of uh, was it twenty one percent of businesses who don't think technology can have a positive impact will hopefully massively expand if you speak their language. You're right, David. And lots of lots of the small business leaders that I speak to, they frequently say that they don't feel that you know a lot of the technology products that are out there are suitable for their business. You know, they're suitable for much larger organisations. And, and I think some of that is some of that is is true. You know, technically the products don't scale down very well. I think it's also a bit to do with you know how perhaps are positioned in the market and how they can help small businesses. Sort of compete, you know, on an, on an equal footing. This kind of democratization of, of business that I described earlier. You know, part of that is is to do with how big technology businesses, in particular, maybe position their products so, so that small businesses do recognise that they have value to add to, to how they run their businesses. Uh, and for you, uh, Jane, um, what, what would you like to see sort of change, um, I guess, from a, uh, from a skills delivery perspective, uh, as you're the, uh, sort of you're the giver of education? What would you love to see changing in the marketplace to really give us a, a kind of um, uh, a new way of, of approaching you know, digital skills? Yeah, well, look, you know, I think that there's a lot of great programs out there at the moment in terms of the supply of training. You know, I think that there is that range and that breadth from those very small bite-sized chunks all the way through to those longer programs, which may be three or four years. And I think it very much depends on, you know, what's the size of the skills gap, what's right for the person at that time. But I think for me, there's probably two main things that I would like to see happen. I think the first probably relates to adults. And we need to think about how we can create pathways, you know, different shapes, different sizes, that are absolutely tailored to specific audiences and that are really easily understandable. So if somebody has that aptitude for tech and is interested in making that career change, they can understand where to enter at a place that makes sense for them. And there's a really clear, tangible pathway and a really clear outcome. I think that we really need to think about that. And there needs to be jumping on and off points throughout all of these different pathways. I think, you know, the Department for Education is just about to launch a skills boot camp initiative, which is the second wave of a plan to really try and test an approach to helping career changes move into digital jobs. I think what's really positive about this is that it's open to individuals, but it's also open to employers who may wish to um, put employees onto these programs to help them upskill and reskill and move into into new roles. So those kind of things are really positive because they create pathways that perhaps wouldn't or ordinarily exist and those individuals would 
would find it hard to to break through. So I think that's the first thing we need to look at. And I and I suspect also that there's some m- more work to be done with younger age groups as well, because although we are seeing, you know, there's been quite a focus on the digital curriculum over the last decade or so, you know, there's still relatively few young people coming through to take those subjects at, um, you know, GCSE and and A-level and equivalent, whether that be, you know, BTECs or, or what have you. So I think we need to think about digital skills at, at, at a base level uh, as almost being a core pop part of the curriculum in the same way that maths and English are. And I think that's really important going forward because it really will start to help build confidence and you know, act as, as a foundation on which people will build. Scientifically, sort of to close, there was also an element of the report which looked at businesses that were, were adopting you know, technology and how that is a kind of call to arms, that if a percentage of, of businesses understand how they can use technology and uh, the education that goes with that, moving forward, I guess the hope is that it expands and, and more businesses see that you know, these two elements can be beneficial for them. Yeah, of the businesses that adopted technology in the last 15 months as a result of the pandemic, nearly nine out of 10 are saying that they plan to keep using that technology and continuing developing technology within their organisation. I think that presents an amazing opportunity to the tech sector to, to essentially build on this new market of smaller businesses that are exploring how technology can supercharge and turbocharge their businesses uh, in the future. So, you know, we, we, you know, while, while it's been a tough time for a lot of businesses in the last 12, 18 months, new businesses have embraced new technology. And, and I think that creates a great platform in order to accelerate that process in those businesses themselves. So I'd like to thank Anthony and Jane for taking the time to speak to Silicon UK. It's a goodbye from me, Dave Holt, and it's goodbye from Anthony. Thanks, Dave. Goodbye. And also, it's goodbye from Jane. Goodbye. Thanks very much, Dave. You have been listening to a Silicon UK In Focus podcast. Silicon is the authoritative UK source for IT news, analysts, features, and interviews on key industry topics with a particular emphasis on IoT, AI, cloud, and other transformative technologies. Silicon UK is published by NetMedia Europe, the leading B2B publisher with a portfolio of 30 sites across Europe.